Coming up in this episode, Randy and I are just going to do what people seem to like the best. Just babble bullshit. No particular subject. Uh, I'm sure Randy will have something that he wants to make fun of me with, but <laughs> but no. we'll, we'll get to it. No. <laughs> no. All right, so stick around. Shut up and sit down. Welcome to Random Thoughts from the Road on the Ozark Rides Digital Network. Conversations about motorcycles, any random thoughts that pop into our head, and of course, what are the best places to ride in America? The Ozark Mountains of Missouri and Arkansas. And now, here's your host from OzarkRides.com, Craig Allen and Randy Lewis. Work hard, Heartland Honda Power Sports and Arena is your go-to place for everything Honda. We have Honda street bikes, dirt bikes, and scooters. We have Honda ATVs and side-by-sides. We have five highly competent, red-level certified technicians for all your Honda service needs. We even have Honda Power Equipment and Honda Marine products. Established in 1996, and we are still locally owned and operated. Check out Heartland Honda Power Sports and Marine, exit 72 in Springdale. For your safety, read the owner's man wear a helmet and eye protection. Always wear your seatbelt and keep side nets, doors closed. ATVs and side-by-sides drive 16 years and older. There he goes, finally off to work. You know, it's been six months since his accident. He just got his new bike, was going to take it for a spin around the block. Some idiot looking at his phone ran a stoplight and plowed right into him. Steve was hurt pretty bad. Thank goodness he was wearing a helmet. And thank goodness for Schmidt Law Firm. Motorcycle accidents happen. Schmidt Law Firm will prove negligence and help you get full recovery. Find them online at KansasCityLawyers.com. Put Schmidt Law Firm on your side of the table because motorcycle accidents do happen. Welcome back to another episode of Random Thoughts from the Road. With me as always is Randy Lewis from Bike Works in Urbana, Missouri. Biker extraordinaire. How are you, young fellow? Good. What to do, Cletus? Cletus don't do nothing, and that's by design. (laughs) I believe you. Looks right. like it, yeah. clearly. Yeah, thanks. Sedentary bowl of oatmeal, you. <laughs> Thank you very much. As you eat the oatmeal cookies. <laughs> hey, you got to have something to wash them down with. Though. Right, exactly. So, you know, one of the hardest things about doing a podcast after you've been doing it for a long time is coming up with something new to talk about, particularly yeah. when you're looking at a specific genre like we have, motorcycles. Eventually, you're going to have talked about Everything there is to talk about. You would think so, yeah. You would think so. You know, we're not out in the industry every single day, going to every single event, going to every last little meeting, and anything to do with motorcycles. Like, we're not at all of that shit. Well, we're busy. Yeah, with different stuff. Yeah. Um, so you can't always get out and do the things that perhaps you would want to. I did have one question that uh, I would like to ask you. If you were in a position to do a lot of heavy, long-distance touring. So in other words, you didn't have a business or a job to go to. You're retired, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. You got a bike, and let's leave whatever kind of bike out of it. Just you have a bike. What in your mind are, let's say, the first five things you would do to make the ride more comfortable and easier (laughs) for long-haul riding? Not necessarily performance ride, but if that in your mind that's going to uh, inquire that, that's fine. But you want to be on that road all the time. So, you want to be comfortable. You don't want to be beat up at the end of the day. Yeah, so this is where this is not a good question. So you name me. one and then I'll name one. This is not a good question for me. 
because because yeah, you just ride to the supermarket or yeah, the, the yeah, local I, tavern. I, uh, I'm a fucked up individual. Well, there's that's, there's that's the big a big whole F-bomb different podcast. I want to do I want to do long distance riding, not comfortably, not on the ideal bike. Yeah, just so when people say something, I can be like, yeah, that's that's what I did. That's you know fine. what I mean? It's it's just that mind will change after a week. I want to go the opposite and the extreme. So when people are out there on their gold wings and their Pan Americas and, and Harley, you know, touring bikes, and they're talking about how sore they are or how it was such a tough trip because they put 5,000 miles on in a month or whatever. I want to do it on a shovel head, hardtail, pan head, hardtail, narrow tires, something yes, like but, that. And you can do that and that would be cool, but you're young. Well, let's that say young, that no, you continue working like you are. And by the time you're my age, you can barely get out of bed because you beat yourself up so much. That's where I'll put a smile on my face and say, yep, I did it. Yeah. So, but you still want to go for a long ride. Still. You got a bike out there. It's bike just pain. XYZ, it's just pain. But by then you don't want the pain anymore. That's a, that's a, that's a feature of dying. Work with me here. <laughs> that's a feature of dying. Uh, okay. So the things that I would do, I put taller bars on it. I'd upgrade the suspension and I'd put more of, for me personally, I'd put more of a low slung, harder compound seat on it. And that's probably about it. What the hell? Mm-hmm. You just took away all of my points. <laughs> well. First thing I would do is suspension. Yeah. yeah. Then, a, then a custom comfortable seat with whether you think you need it or not. But we're talking about hauling the mail long distances every day after day. Backrest. A backrest. We're pausing while he drinks a swig of beer. Hey. Got to wet the whistle somehow, right? Whether you have a bad back or not, I do happen to have one. Uh, I can't go across the street without a backrest. But you can't I can go ride all day with a backrest. What? Say it again. I said, you can't go across the street without a walker. How about you kiss my ass? How'd that be? <laughs> I don't think you could stand up fast enough. <laughs> so I think uh, a good quality seat and backrest suspension for sure. Doesn't yeah. matter the brand of bike, stock suspension never is just good as yeah. it needs to be as it could be um i'd go with the bars too and uh the only other thing i could think of is some kind of wind protection i.e a taller windshield if yours is not tall enough because after a while that wind hitting you in the buffeting it'll beat you down more than anything it will i mean it wears your ears out it wears your eyes out yeah. wears your neck out believe it or not especially if you wear a helmet that constant moving back and forth and you would have to if you're doing a lot of traveling because there are a lot of states that require it I'm sure there's a lot of other stuff. Most people would say you got to have music, got to have something to occupy your mind, things like that. Heated grips, heated seats in case you're, depending on where you're at and where you're going, the heat and cold and all that crap. They I think heated wanna, grips is a waste of money. You haven't had the right heated grips yet because you're riding a victory and that's just not. That, heated grips a, doesn't warm your hands all that well. The wind hits the outside of your hands, shit, son. not the inside. Put a set of Harley heated grips on something. Oh, please. I'm telling you right now, bar none, without a doubt. Heated gloves, absolutely. The with, grips, no. Without a doubt. I've seen and installed a lot of aftermarket heated grips, which a lot of them are on Harleys for whatever reason. The how, Harley let me product. Look how long did it take? It was <laughs> seven minutes uh, that before we, you got to the Harley. Facts are facts, yo. I'm serious. Those those heated grips that Harley puts out are bar none the best grips I've ever installed, especially for temperature wise. Like, they there are five level settings, maybe six, but I want to say they're five. 
that highest setting will burn your freaking hands. No shit. Why do you want to burn your hands? I'm just saying like they get hotter than any other grips that I've ever installed. So with that being said of you saying, oh, the wind hits the outside of your hands and all that crap. These things warm up so well that it, it feels good. That's one person's opinion. It's an incorrect opinion. Let it be on the record. But that's all right. We'll see, Craig. We I've got will heated see. gloves. I don't need heated grips. Yeah. So I could see why people say all of that. The innate nature of my mind, though, like I want to ride a hard-tailed bike, a narrow back tire, a narrow front tire, something old and vintage feeling. Because in my mind, there's no more enjoyment than riding something that's old. There's no more enjoyment than riding something that nobody else wants to ride. The doing the things that nobody else like a victory. Different. <laughs> Different. <laughs> Nobody wants to ride a victory because it's a victory. Please. Nobody wants to ride a Harley hardtail because it's rough. It's it's this or it's that. But that's what I would do. I'd air the back tire down a little bit. Get a little bit of cush from there. Maybe would run, you have a spring seat? That's what I was going to say. I don't know if I'd run a spring seat or if I'd run an air ride seat. Which negates it being a hardtail. Hey, it's still not... Like freaking Olin shocks or something That's true. like I that. I mean, a hardtail does ride a little different. It I, handles different. I love the way I feel connected for whatever reason with a hardtail. It's just something, I guess some people like them and everybody else hates them. But there's just something about riding a hardtailed bike that I do enjoy. Yeah, I might have to wear a kidney belt after a thousand miles or my back's already shot. So shit, what's a little bit more, right? Well, I got I mean, to each his own. Yeah, but it's just the idea of, say, being two or 3,000 miles away from home, pull up to the gas station, you know, everybody stops and talks to you. They're always like, oh, where are you going? Where are you from? What are you doing? And I could say, well, I'm 2,000 miles into a 10,000-mile trip. And then they look at that bike and they're like, holy shit, there's something inherently wrong with you. That's where I Which get Which we've already established. Yeah, that's where I get my pleasure. We're going to podcast episode on the things that are wrong with you. <laughs> I don't know if one episode will work, but it's, it's just stupid. So let's kind of shift gears here a little bit. A lot of people don't realize this, but you have a uh, dedication to want to build a chopper. Yeah, man, dude. Do you I, think those are coming back into vogue? I have said it so many times. I don't know what the hell that even means. I think that's a saying from like the 70s or 80s or something. Um, I do. I 100% believe that choppers are coming back. And it's not... What I say chopper... Now, you're not talking about like... Uh, OCC. Yeah, that's... that's Those things are crap. I I don't think... Well, OCC ones and whatever. I, I don't know about that. I've never owned one. Don't have plans to own one. But like, do you remember in the... 90s and 2000s when Texas Iron Horse, Big Dog, places like that were producing production choppers. Those I don't necessarily see as being back or mainstream. I think it's further back than that. I think it's more of like the David Mann shit, you know, 130 wide back tires, really, really narrow you know, cutting the front ends even narrower than a narrow glide. Those kind of boutique built one-off really ornate parts and pieces that work. I think those choppers are coming back. I think, which a lot of guys would argue that, well, they never went out. Yeah. But, but those are the cool bikes. Oh man, dude. I tell you what, 
there's a, I'll give a guy a shout out. It's Jeff Cochran of Speed Kings. Um, used to, I believe he used to own Sucker Punch Sally bikes. That's who produced those. Yeah. Like the stuff that he's coming out with and the stuff that he's doing and even Lead Sled Customs with their Sportster line. There's a bunch of other little hand-built bike people out there in the world. You saw them at that cycle showcase in St. Right. Louis. Those bikes, I think, is what's coming back. You know, the baggers are still really hot. People are still making a shit ton of money on baggers. And people are still wanting those built. They're still... Now they're kind of switched to kind of performance baggers or the fat tire front baggers. Those are still popular. Don't kid yourself. Whether you love them or you hate them, they're still popular. They're still mainstream. But those grassroots guys... I think, and maybe it's just what I'm into right now, so I'm seeing more of it. You know, it's kind of the old thing where when you're looking to buy a car, you think you've got the first one. And then once you idolize it or fixate on it, then you start seeing them everywhere else. Everywhere else, like everybody's copying me. Yeah. Although they were already there. Yeah, exactly. So maybe that's what it is with me. And maybe our demographic is a different demographic than what I'm thinking as far as what's listening. Maybe they're more into comfort, um, reliability, but the guys in the bikes that I am so infatuated with right now, like overseas, Norway, Japan, guys out there are building Harleys to be so unique and so ornate and still work. And then obviously here in the States, we have a plethora of people, you know, similar to me, probably way more skilled than I am building these bikes. It's just, I'm so freaking fascinated with them and it, it speaks to who I am because they're not all comfortable. They're not all easy to start, but they're so rich with attitude and personality and heritage and just the history of motorcycling. That's where I'm just drawn to right now. You know, back in the day, I can speak to this because I was there back in the day. Yeah. I will tell you KZ 900 or something. Well, you know what? It didn't matter if it was a V twin or not. You've seen a lot of those type of choppers with like Triumph engines in them. Yeah, or the Honda or the CD 750. 750 <laughs> yeah. engines. So yeah. what is your thoughts on bringing it forward to today of mm. creating an old, really old school, like something with a Triumph or BSA engine? Shit, why or, not, man? The or more 750. Unique, the better. Though I think the 750 engines, not not trying to change the subjects, the single overhead cam models make the world's greatest cafe bikes. Yes, I love the way they sound, and aesthetically, I love the way they look yeah. better than a dual overhead cam. But back onto subject at hand, would you be comfortable with building a bike with like a Triumph or BSA engine in yeah. it? Yeah, hell yeah, I would. Really, see, really old school, because that's what people had. Back in the day, those were the predominant bikes. Yeah, yeah, they were kicking the shit out of, you know, everything out there on the street. The CBs, Triumphs, all that stuff, Nortons. They were fast bikes for the time. You're talking about 40s, 50s, 60s. They were fast bikes for that time. Yeah. Now, fast forward to now, those are freaking slow in comparison. But back in that time, from what I can gather and can see, you know, choppers were it. You know, stretch the frame, do a really funky tank on it, do a really crazy paint scheme on it, put a springer on it, put a girder springer on it, get it, get it out there, exactly. get it stretched. The first chopper I ever rode was a buddy of mine's dad had an, a Triumph chopper mm-hmm. with a high neck on it and a rake on it, front end springer that was longer than I was tall. 
Oh, man. I mean, it went out there. I mean, it was different acreage where the front wheel was to the rest, and you couldn't turn it. Oh, hell no. Uh, everything had to be lean, and when you wanted to make a U-turn, it was all, you had to cut it a wide berth. massive, yeah. And you got to watch wheel flop on that there. When oh, yeah. out there, all of a sudden, it just breaks over, and the bike wants to fall. You yeah, know? you couldn't let your senses lapse. That's what I love right now, though. Like, riding to me has gotten so moot that it's just kind of like, eh. Getting on a normal bike now, I'm just kind of like, mm, yeah, here's a bike. Yeah, whoop de freaking do The excitement has left you, not for riding, but for that type of bike it really has for whatever reason people around here locally think i'm i'm stupid and all my buddies think i'm stupid because any newer bike that i have minus one maybe it's because you didn't finish second grade that's possibility yeah it's a possibility it's tough when you get someone pregnant in the second grade (laughs) (laughs) no uh it's just they're just like what the hell is wrong with you like why why would you want to go backwards why not get a a new ST or why not get something new? And I'm just like, they're cool, but it just doesn't excite me. Anymore. Why not? Everybody's an individual. Everybody has different tastes and likes. Yeah. Um, if that's your thing, then go for it. I can definitely appreciate It'd be the fun bikes. to build. Frick. Yeah. That's probably what is the most fun. Um, now I'm not saying like I'm a master class builder by no means. I'm just a freaking nobody from nowhere that likes to put my own twist and own spin on stuff. And lately, I've been doing a lot of modern technology on old bikes, like taking a, something from the 70s or 80s and putting digital stuff onto it or just new style of parts, but trying to blend it with an old fashion, if that makes sense. Yeah. Do they make kits that can make like an old um, knucklehead or a flathead or a shovelhead, whatever, that could have electric start? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Regardless of the, how old the engine is? Yeah, so the great thing about Harley is the engine's independent from the transmission. What brand name was that? Harley. Harley? Yeah. Didn't yeah. I wasn't sure if you got it in there enough. Yeah, yeah, sure did. So you could. Now, you it'd be tougher, which you still could. You could still run an old four-speed or something. You know, they've got taper shaft output shafts, so you could put a newer style clutch onto it that's still tapered that has a starting ring gear on it. Build you an inner primary that has a provision for a starter on it. Hey, That's something you'd have to custom build. They don't make really kits for that, do they? Not entirely. You could probably take a newer modern inner primary or something and modify it to fit an old four-speed. Because a lot of things that I'd like to have, but I couldn't uh, kickstart them anymore. Yeah. Well, like a Panhead 66, I believe, was uh-huh. the fir- last year first of electric pan, start, but first year of electric start. So yeah. there's there's parts out there. There's a platform out there for it, for sure. There's even, I even saw a guy taking old Evos and old shovel heads and making them feel injected. Really? Yes. You know, your injectors go into just the intake manifold. So if you can do the electrical part of it and make something work, you can about make any engine feel injected. Okay. Now, I don't know when you're listening to this podcast out there, but uh, it's released. It's Christmas Eve. And uh, do you have any Christmas wants? <laughs> More um, time in the day? Yeah, I was just going to say time. Time and energy at this point in my life. Time and energy. Just give me that and I can make it work, I think. So a lot of people that have been following us realize that you've had trouble looking for somebody uh, in the shop. I uh, see you have a helper. Is it working out? It is actually. And it's it's quite funny. 
it's my younger brother, believe it or not. It's my younger brother. Who, yeah, that's not an accident looking for a place to happen. <laughs> Relatives and family. The great thing about that is I beat that kid's ass so much in his life. Now he's just like. He doesn't get out of line. I'm not going to fuck up. <laughs> no, he's a, he's a, he's a good dude. Um, like everybody else gets tired of the rat race of where you're working at now. The not being appreciated, the long hours, the being abused by somebody that doesn't give two shits about you. Oh, that's right. In your wheelhouse. Yeah. And I told him, I said, man, if that's what you're looking for, I don't give a shit about you, dude. The bottom line is what I care about in this certain aspect of what we're talking about. What are you going to do for me? Yeah. But so at least he's working out. It has been good. He is the closest thing that I have found um, in anybody that of a person that works like I do. Um, It's I'm not I'm going to toot my own horn here. There ain't fucking a soul out there that, in my opinion, that can keep up with me. You know, there's no one out there more willing to do anything. Than I'll I verify am. you're a hard worker. So when you get that from the business side of it, you have to understand nobody's going to care more about your business than you do. Never. Nobody's going to do what you need or what needs to be done rather to make your business prosper. You know, it's just it's not their baby. So just give me a paycheck and that's about it. With him, the thing that's been nice so far is that he doesn't want to let me down and he doesn't want to screw up my process. So it's come down to even, if it's sweep the floor, take the trash out, work on the nastiest project out here, okay, I'll do it. No problem. And well, That's I, all you've been looking for. Yeah, I love that because there's it's not all glitz and glamour in my shop. Like there's There's some trash-ass work to do. I was under the impression that glitz and glamour did was non-existent in your shop. <laughs> it doesn't feel like it most of the no. time, yes. If you've ever listened to this or picked up, I do more than just motorcycles. I do ATVs, UTVs, dirt bikes, you know, all that power sports stuff. Off-road stuff. Yeah, yeah, I do a lot of that. We live in farm country. If anyone's ever been around farm country, they know they don't take care of their shit very well. It's always ragged out on its last leg and you have to get it to work for them because it's a tool. It's not a toy, but it has to be at a dollar amount that they can afford. So we get some pretty ragged out stuff that we have to try to make work. And that's a challenge with also fitting inside of a budget. You know, right? It, there's some, there's very seldom do I ever get to a point where I'm like, look, dude, you're going to have so much money in this. It's not worth doing. I hate that idea. But there are some things out there that with what I do where the thousand dollar quad and you're trying to put two thousand dollars into it. I'm like, hey, it's not cost effective. This, this doesn't equate. You know what I mean? Yeah. Take your two grand that you're going to spend on this and let's just go buy you a different one that has less issues or a little bit newer or whatever. The old you know? nickel and diming. Yeah, exactly. So with him, it, it has been good because I can just he's pretty green. You know, he hasn't been. He was a mechanic when he first got out of school, an automotive mechanic. Worked at like a, not a quick lube, but it was a local mechanic shop doing mm-hmm. little stuff. Um, the, the kid's a hell of a wrench on a race car. No shit. Like he's been solicited by a lot of big racers around here to help set their cars up. Well, he's got the mechanic's mindset. Yes, yes. The thing that he lacks is just knowledge on what we're doing all the time the specifics like yes the, yeah i get you but he's but he can tear up a, a you know a quad or a four-wheeler or whatever you know yeah he can yeah. keep those going 
Yeah. So what's been great, you know, I've hired him kind of in, I say my slow time, we're still busy, but it's not 80 phone calls a day, 15, 30 people coming in a day to talk to me. So I have more time to go over stuff with him and be like, so that way, by the time that does come around and it will, he'll be up to speed. Hopefully so. Yeah. So we don't have to spend as much time. You envision finding a, a second person? My son. This is who I plan. Yeah, yeah but if, if I can fight it through, I mean, the little shit's nine years old now. I was I had my first full time job at eight, so he just needs to buck up and be a man. <laughs> Do you remember the time I came into the shop? This was like I, he must have been five years old, six years old, and mm. I said, "How are you doing today, Carter?" And he had a little wrench in his hand. He was tapping <laughs> in his other hand, yeah. and he says, kind of wiped his brow and says, "Well, just." Getting work done. It's busy around here. <laughs> yeah. That little crap. I'll yeah. never forget that. All my kids are the pride of my life. But that kid just absolutely makes me glow in a weird way. Like, So this week, they're, they've been out of school for Christmas break. So he's been coming down to the shop and running his dirt bike. You can hear him out there just ripping it up. And then he'll come into the shop and bullshit with... Um, me and my brother and just kind of hanging around. So mm-hmm. I'm starting to see the light there that hopefully he'll start hanging around a little bit more. Generating some interest. Yeah. Which he does. You know, I've caught him fixing a lot of stuff at the house, trying to fix it without coming to get me and say, Hey dad, this is broke. You need to fix it. I'm going to go get on my tablet. My dad used to do the same thing with me. He was a, a body and fender man mm-hmm. and he always worked for dealers, dealerships. Yeah. And uh, every dealership he's ever worked for, which is not too many, he stayed at one position for a long time. But um, they always had a thing when the program were in the summertime, you could bring your kid to work. Oh, that's cool. I mean, I would go to work with him at these dealerships because I know he secretly wanted me to be a body and fender man like him. Yeah. Unfortunately, while I found it interesting, it wasn't where my, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah idea was going to go but um it was neat I, I i look upon those times as really really fond memories um i don't know if it was working with my dad and you know doing nothing more than hand me this hand me that or if it was going into the locker room at the dealership and seeing all the playboy naked centerfold oh, oh i think you say all the naked dudes changing yeah. after work oh wise guy you kind of set that one up to not be a very little bit, good. but but they, <laughs> they, their locker rooms had uh, centerfolds all over the place back when that was not a problem. Right, man. So yeah. I, I had to pee a lot back in those days. Think about when you were like some of you guys out there that are listening to this. I have to believe that this was part of your life, especially if you're avid motorcyclist. Think about going into those old motorcycle shops or even a, a automotive mechanic shop. There was always the Playboy calendars stuck up somewhere. Always. If they had any self-respect, they were. Yeah. Why was that? Like men are so dogs, I guess, that that's Mm -hmm. what it was. But that was part of the culture of that time. Like, you know, you walked in there and there was always a Playboy calendar hanging somewhere and maybe one or two rags of, you know, Playboy magazines laying around. Always. For whatever reason. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying that's the way that it was. That's the way it was, you man. So, you know, get over it. So being a young, impressionable kid, like when you see that, you're like, frick, this is cool, man. This is cool. Well, I mean, I had a little different kind of upbringing. My my parents were divorced. Ah. And I lived with my dad. 
Yeah. Just it was my other siblings were already grown and gone. Okay. So it was just him and I. <laughs> yeah. And um, I remember the time vividly, like it was yesterday. He caught me just looking. So don't go there. <laughs> yeah, just okay. looking at a, a sure. Playboy that I got from a buddy of mine. With your hands in your pockets. I bet I was uh, sixth grade. Yeah. And he walked into my bedroom and I was looking at this Playboy. And he said, what are you doing there, son? <laughs> and I was trying to, I was so embarrassed. And I was trying to hide it. And um, and honest to God, that's all I was doing was looking at it. Mm-hmm. And um, it's at that point in time, it's kind of like. And he says, the- he, he told me, he says, you know what? It's just natural. Don't worry about it. He says, you want to look at that? Look at that. He said, in fact, here. And he took the magazine from me, took the centerfold out. You remember how they unfolded? Uh-huh. And stuck it on the wall. <laughs> he says, you want to put one of these on the wall? That's fine. And uh, I would say within a week's time, I had <laughs> Playboy centerfolds. Yeah. And everybody, all of a sudden, I couldn't figure out at the time. Obviously, I know why now. Out. Hey, let's go over to your house and hang out. So It's one of those things, too. And I don't know what it is about that. Yeah, I'm sure there's psychologists out there that could tell you all about it. It's kind of the proverbial dog chasing a car. Like, what the fuck are you going to do when you catch that car? You know what I mean? Like, at that point in time, it's it's just what was so natural and it was so, you know, commonplace that it wasn't like you had ambitions of abusing women or no, actually degrading had, women or anything like that. It had the opposite effect with me yeah. personally because... Um, I get really pissed when people disrespect women. Yeah. Oh man, that'll set me off faster than anything. So everybody would come over my house, look at the Playboys on the wall. We, I was the only guy of my peers that had a stereo in his bedroom. Oh man. Would listen to Black Sabbath or something like yeah, that. Yeah, drop some acid, look at Playboys and listen <laughs> to Black Sabbath. We're like sixth or seventh grade, <laughs> so I'm pretty sure there was no acid involved. Well, it was the 60s. Yeah. So... Anyway, so it kind of had a little sidebar there, but that's the way it was. You couldn't do that nowadays. So you, the cops would knock on your door. Things have changed so much. And granted, I wasn't alive back then. But even in my short time period of being alive, like I can see the change and the negative change in a lot of aspects. And some of the stuff that was just standard operating procedure and what was normal is now fantasized to be something evil and so horrible that it, it it's kind of screwing a lot of people, you know, mm-hmm. it robs a lot of people of American culture and American history and just culture and history in general. Like look back at all like Michelangelo's paintings and stuff. That was a bunch of naked broads. You know yeah. what I mean? Like that's so much a part of human DNA, I guess, for whatever reason Yeah. that now that everything's so taboo and you're such a horrible person. And now I'll go out and say like, there's people addicted to porn that ruin their lives because of it. And yeah, there's people and there addicted are, but those are the things. rarities. They're not the norm. Yeah. When people are thought to be less than for just exhibiting natural inhibitions, like, you know, get off your high horse. Exactly. You do the same thing when its doors are closed. So, anyways, I, I don't know what that has to do with motorcycles. <laughs> Shit, I don't know. I think we got veered off when we yeah. went to old-time choppers. Oh, man. And then you brought up David Mann, so I'm putting the blame all on you. I'll take it. It's, all right. It's been there my entire life. Well, let's wrap it up there. We've kind of uh, spread our holiday cheer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing says uh, Merry Christmas like porn. <laughs> <laughs> a naked chick in a calendar with a Santa hat on and a bottle of whiskey. That's right. So, uh, if, hey, you, if Die Hard can be a Christmas movie, why can't that be? 
Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. Ooh, man, you've just cut a hard line with a lot of people, yo. Well, I'm, well be that as it may, it's not a Christmas movie. That's like... What the, is the world's greatest Christmas movie? Home Alone. Home Alone? Or what What are you going to say? Wait, you're, Christmas you're, Story. I was going to say, you're so old, it's Christmas Story. Yeah, because <laughs> everything in that kid was, was I mean, uh, it was way before my time, but everything... It was still valid. You know, this when time I was of year, a kid. you always hear those arguments of what's a what's the best Christmas movie? What's this? What's that? And Die Hard is always like the freaking main topic. Is that a Christmas movie or is it not? Well, it's in stone. It's not. That's funny. Though it's a good movie. <laughs> it's just not a Christmas movie. My so, Christmas movie is more like, and it has no bearing. I'll, we'll run over on this, but I'll tell you about it. Um, Boondock Saints. Never even heard of it. Oh, shit. You're missing out. So it's been flashback many, many years. We're sitting around my in-laws, nonetheless. Christmas morning. We've done all the bullshit. We've done all that. Some of them are like, hey, let's watch a movie. I'm like, hell, I've got a movie. Let's watch it. And they're like, okay, sure, whatever. So I run to my house and get Boondock Saints on DVD. So you can imagine when that time period was. Right. Bring it back, throw it in. And I mean... Everybody loved it and hated it all at the same time. So it's about it's about a couple of brothers that have a criminal dad and they start essentially put justice in their own hands. So all these dudes doing vigilantes. Dirt, yes, that's exactly what they were. So they were killing and murdering and they pick up one of their dudes who's a freaking psychopath. They shoot up a strip joint and like there's a scene where he reaches down, he's walking out and he grabs a dead stripper's titty and stuff like that. Like that's what that movie is. We watched is that, that your favorite movie? It's it's a good one. I'm not going to lie. Now that we've gone completely off the rails and we're going to celebrate <laughs> the holidays, what is your all-time favorite movie? Well, you can't ask me that. Well, what? I just did. It was clearly I can. I did. I have no answer for you is why. Mike, I told you this, on your mood. Yeah, my kids always ask me that same shit. What's your favorite this? What's your favorite that? And I'm like, guys, I don't want to tell you. Like, I have zero favorites of anything. Oh, I can tell you the best movie. Other than Harley Davidson. Like, I have no favorites. Really? Yep. Oh, Brother, Where Art Thou? That's a good one. People either love it or absolutely hate it. It's a slow mover, but it's a good one. It's a good one. Yeah. So. What about Lawless? Great movie. That's up that, my alley. I love that movie. Yeah, that's up my alley. Like, I like that old-timey gangster yeah. shit. Like, you know, it's wrong, but we're doing right. Yeah. That's, that's a I great did. movie. I even forgot about that one. I could watch that over and over. And then the movie that uh, Cindy and I love a lot, uh, which our little niece, we've banned her from watching it. What is it, Until Garfield she's 40. <laughs> Deadpool 1 and 2. Deadpool? Are you shitting we me right now? We love that movie. You're so freaking old, I'm surprised you know what Deadpool is. Oh, we love that movie. Oh, it's funny as hell. Deadpool and her favorite movies are Deadpool and Red. Red And Red's Red 2. Yeah. I used to be a big fan of Smokey and the Bandit. The original, not all the other bullshit ones. Yeah. The original Smokey and the Bandit. Like, we have it in there. Yeah, that was one of mine. On VHS. Uh, no, we don't have any VHS. <laughs> Oh, man. But that that's a great movie. Yeah. I'm a big fan of Buford T. Justice. I saw that, you son of a bitch! You did that on purpose! I got the evidence! Put the evidence in the car! Oh, yeah. He's like a superhero to you me. You son of a bitch! <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, let's get off this because we've way off the rails, so... Until next time. Oh, I, w I did want to tell you, make sure that uh, 
If you have any questions, go to OzarkRides.com and to the podcast page. There's a little area there where you can fill out your questionnaire and uh, we will answer it on the air. We would love to hear what's on your minds. Check that out. So until next time, ride safe and keep it on two wheels.